Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations, where every week we explore a topic on mental health, adversity, spirituality, or a societal issue. I'm your host, Furkan Daniel. And join me as I sit down with David Peralta to explore the profound twists and turns of his spiritual journey. In an introspective conversation, David opens up about the transformative moments that led him to pursue a spiritual path. We delve into the roots of his spiritual awakening, the unexplainable pull that drew him towards a life-changing experience at an ashram. David shares the challenges he faced, the lessons he learned, and their profound impact on his outlook on life. As we navigate the intricacies of David's odyssey, we explore stepping into one's true calling. David recounts the pivotal moments when he discovered his purpose and how it fueled his passion for serving others. David Peralta is a soul-centered founder, spiritual teacher, coach, and creator. Since 2019, he's been helping impact-driven entrepreneurs build six- and seven-figure businesses by aligning themselves with their soul's purpose. He's spent over 20 years studying Zen Buddhism, Eastern spirituality, and Christianity, and learned the science of how to awaken the soul directly from a spiritual master named Sri Kaleshwar in Southern India. Please check out David Peralta online and the Soul-Centered Founder, and please leave a review or a comment at the end of the episode. I would truly appreciate it. And a brief word for our sponsors. One thing that's really helped my mental health is a daily routine. Every morning after doing some breathing exercises and cold exposure, I like a smooth cup of coffee. I've been drinking Four Sigmatics coffee for the last three years, and it's been very beneficial for my routine. I especially like their Lion's Mane and Chaga Mushrooms coffee, which helps me with my mental focus and energy every morning. Four Sigmatics is on a mission to infuse functional mushrooms into the foods and supplements people love and use daily. Their goal is to enrich minds and improve well-being. By pairing lion's mane with coffee for focus or reishi with cacao for a sense of calm, their brews, blends, and powders get everyone in a good headspace so they can focus on what matters most. Check out Four Sigmatic and use the code EASYCONVERSATIONS, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. Today's episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy can be very difficult for many people to start. In my personal experience, when I was going through my divorce, therapy allowed me to bridge a significant gap. With the help and support of my therapist, I was able to uncover a lot of repeated patterns and behaviors that were impacting my life. Through goal setting, I was able to focus on things that required attention, which allowed me to improve the relationship that I had with myself and by extension, the relationship that I had with others. As a therapist, I've been able to see the positive benefits that clients are able to derive through healthy rapport and goal setting. 
BetterHelp allows a lot of flexibility where clients can schedule video sessions, sessions on the phone, or through messaging. In most cases, BetterHelp will match you up with a licensed therapist within 48 hours. If that's not a good fit for you, BetterHelp will work with you to find the right fit. Join over 4 million users today by following the link in the description or going to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash easy10 to get 10% off your first month of therapy. David, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me on this Saturday morning. I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to have this conversation with me. Uh, it's always exciting to hear other people's journey and what's brought them where they are and how others can take some nuggets out of that, right? But before we start our conversation today, I do want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and, and let us know a little bit about who you are and, and what you're doing today. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. Yeah, so I'm David Peralta. I'm the creator of the Soul Centered Founder. Um, and what I do is I work with entrepreneurs, I work with founders, and I work with all kinds of men, mostly, to help them learn how to lead a soul-centered life. Okay. And what that really means is learning how to live from the essence of who they are, and then discovering how success can flow when they're aligned with who they truly are, as opposed with who they think they are, what they think they're supposed to do to achieve success, mm -hmm. and achieving a success that comes from the inside out, so is basically leading a life full of meaning, purpose, fulfillment, right? As opposed to chasing achievements that once people reach them, never actually end up giving them the satisfaction uh, or the fulfillment that they're looking for. And that's amazing. And, and there's obviously, we're probably going to have to unpack a lot of that because what I'm hearing from you and, and what I resonate with is finding that sense of fulfillment internally rather than seeking it externally. And that's what you're saying is what provides a lot of meaning and purpose for people. But unfortunately, when we're children, we're impressionable and we get conditioned based on the environment that we grow up in and, and society at large. First question I would ask is how do people disconnect that conditioning and perhaps maybe shedding light on your own experiences and how that brought you to where you are today and helping others in this space? I would say that probably the first step is becoming aware that there is conditioning. And oftentimes that comes through an awareness that, wait a minute, like I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing, but my life is not where I'd like it to be. I don't feel I'm at, I'm where I imagined myself to be at this point in life. That's the first step because basically what it means is I followed all of this that I'm supposed to be doing and look at where it's led me. And so in my personal story, that, that happened for me when I was 20 years old and mm -hmm. I had done everything that I was supposed to do. I had checked all the boxes, but all the boxes that had been given to me by society. But the thing is, I didn't realize that. Of course, that's the thing mm -hmm. about conditioning is that it gets so internalized that we don't even realize that we've been conditioned. And so I just took it upon myself that I'm supposed to 
get good grades, get into a good school, get a job, and do all of those things. And my sophomore year in college, I was already at a point where I'd done all that. I'm doing really good externally. I'm doing really good work in the university, getting really good praise. So I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Why am I so depressed? Mm -hmm. Why am I so unhappy? Why do I not have more of, why do I feel so dead inside? And, and so when I realized that, that's, that was the first step for me to start to realize, okay, something's not right here. And so my friends were also feeling not the same extent, but they were also just ready for something different. And so we decided right. to take a road trip across the country. And, and when we were on the East Coast, they stayed behind because that's where they were from. And there was a moment where I was driving from New York all the way back to California. And I was driving through the Green Mountains of Vermont. And as I was driving through there, I was feeling all of this weight of everything that I was right. supposed to be doing, right? I have to go back to school. I have to finish this. I have to go back to this life that is not working for me. And in that moment, there was this clarity that I don't have to do any of that. I've chosen to do that, but I've chosen to do it unconsciously. And I can actually choose to do anything that I want. And in that moment, this weight lifted off of me. And I felt for the first time that inside of me, there was a voice. There was some clarity. There was an intuitive feeling that I recognized that's my inner guidance. That's what I had disconnected from, right? That's what I had lost touch with. I didn't realize it at the time, but later on I realized like that was the beginning stages of me getting in touch with my soul. And we all have this inner sense. Yeah, I come, I have a very spiritual background. This is probably going to come out a little bit more in, in, as I talk more about my background. But we all have a part of us that is completely connected to every single other aspect of life. And because of that connectedness, it expresses itself through us. Hmm. And when we learn how to reconnect to that and reawaken that part of us, then we learn how basically all of life is trying to express itself through us in this incredible, miraculous way. And it is going to do it through each one of us in a very different way. There's no right. cookie cutter formula. There's no path. Uh, there's nobody else's path that we can follow, even society's path that says this is what it takes to be successful nobody can follow that and feel successful unless they're following that inner guided path so that was one of the first times that i started to get in touch with that and and that listening to that basically gave me the feeling so i started to have intuitive senses right mm -hmm. i started to have felt senses of what felt right to me and what didn't feel right to me and so i felt i'm not going to go back to school yet I need to explore a life led by this voice and led by this guidance. And, uh, and so that's what I started to do. Yeah, that's very cool. And thank you for sharing that. A lot of it resonates for me, uh, very similar to yourself. I, at some point I realized that too. And what I'm hearing from you is I think it's that consciousness that we often lose sight of, right? And then as we become more conscious, then that intuitive sense kicks in. And, and to your point, that's what's coming through us. But I find 
because we've been conditioned and we're trying to emulate what society's been telling us and trying to follow other people's footsteps, because we ha all have a unique purpose and gift, it doesn't feel right. And sometimes people mask that through various other forms, could be substance abuse, could be just living uh, a, a life with masks and, and it's tough, right? For a lot of people, I did that for, for many years and, and it is still a bit of a dance I find because in the Carl Jung's explanation, you have to integrate that shadow. You can't totally mm. run away from it. So I find it a bit of a dance still trying to be able to live in this world without being of it. So That's right. it's, it's interesting how people come to that realization and then they try to find that balance because when you and I connected offline, uh, initially it was one of the things that stood out to me and you mentioned is that you can't just run off and be at an ashram or, or a monastery and, and just avoid the world, right? You still have to be here and, and figure that out. So how have you been able to, to find that balance? That by running off to an ashram, <laughs> one of the first things that I did when I when I started to tap into that voice is I actually went and stayed uh, at a six for six months at a Zen Buddhist monastery. Okay. And mm -hmm. it was because I felt like I want to step out of this world for a, a little bit. Yeah. Actually, at that time, I thought forever. While okay. I was there, I started the, the process of becoming a monk mm -hmm. because I thought that I just never want to go back to, to living the way that I was living before. I, I, I never want to go back to that world that feels so unsupportive of this, what I'm discovering inside of myself. But that wasn't meant to be. At the end of six months, I started to have experiences that nobody there could explain to me. I started right. to have awakenings that nobody there was able to help me understand. And so there came a moment where it was clear to me that I needed to leave there and continue searching, right? And the reason why I was searching was because I felt lost. And the problem was I couldn't find anybody who had completely awakened to what was starting to awaken inside of me, right? So in other words, I was meeting other people who were like me, right? Discovering the world isn't quite working for them, but not yet fully aware of what is actually happening, what is actually going on. What's the full picture here? What's the full story here? And so I continued having these experiences. Nobody could explain them to me, right? Energy start flowing through me and to other people. Healing energy starts flowing through me and to other people, right? Deeper states of awakening, of divine love. And nobody's able, to, and like, I'm reading about these things in books, but nobody's able to, I'm not able to find a guide. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I do. I find a, uh, a teacher named Sri Kaleshwar in India. And he's the first person that I had ever met who I could see this person is awakened to that. This person is directly connected to that source mm. uh, the way that I want to be connected. And so I went and I studied directly with him for two years in India yeah. for longer than that. I was living in India for two years over the course of four years. And, and again, a lot of profound experiences. And he helped me to learn more of the mechanics of what was going on and understand how to more consciously connect to these deeper states. But then he passed in 2012. 
And when that happened, I had met my wife there in the ashram, same place. And we had gotten married and we had had a child. So now we were back in the West. We were living in Austria at the time because that's where my wife is from. Mm -hmm. And now, um, you know, I had tried escaping. I didn't want to come back. Yeah. I wanted to just lead a spiritual life. I just wanted to live in this ashram for the rest of my life. But now our teacher passes away, right? And now I've got a daughter, right, on the way. And so now I've got to provide in Vienna, Austria. Totally foreign country to me. I don't even know the language at the time. And so this struggle starts. And this struggle to, like you said, live in the world but not be of the world. And now it's not just a struggle with the world. Now there's a struggle in my relationship because now all of the conditioning that I had brought, which is now coming up in the form of like trauma that I had experienced as a child, right? Both yeah. of us are now bringing this into the relationship. And so now we've got two very spiritual people who want to lead very spiritual lives, but are in an almost constant state of conflict. And then yeah. we start to see this reflect in our daughter. And so we have this really deep struggle that lasted for seven or eight years, maybe a little bit longer than that. Yeah. And what we, what I learned through that process, right, was it's exactly what you said, that there came a point where I realized all these spiritual experiences that I've had, right? All these experiences of oneness, right? All these, all this knowledge about the oneness of the universe and, and how creation works and all these mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. This hadn't fully healed me as a human being. And I needed to do that work. I mm. needed to go into the shadow. I needed to open up to the pain that I had been carrying. And mm. in order to become a fully realized being, Right. I don't mean like fully enlightened, but what I mean is like both a spiritual being and a human being. Right. I had to open up to the entire spectrum of experience, both on the spiritual plane and on the human plane. Right. right. So I've got to open up to all the emotions that I carry. I've got to open up to everything. If I've shut down, if I've closed myself off to any aspect of myself at any point in my life, then I'm closing myself off to life. Right. And so that this realization that came through this conflict with my wife, right, that helped me to basically, I started to go to therapy. And I started to integrate all these things. And then once I started to integrate all of this pain that I had cut off from myself, I tried to numb myself from, I tried to escape from my entire life. Now suddenly, I was open to life and now suddenly this voice right the my soul that i had been awakening to for so long now was coming to the forefront because now there wasn't this conflict right and, and i stopped seeing the world around me as a source of conflict because now that so many of these things started to get integrated now i could feel my connection to the world around me now I could feel that oneness with the world around me. Even when the world itself seemed to be in conflict, I could still feel and see my connection to it and finally live from a place of peace, finally live from a place of happiness, and finally live from a place where I'm finally embodying 
all these things that I had been searching for at the monastery and at the ashram that I tried to escape from the world, and then only to discover that the way to truly embody those principles is to go through the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I've been spending a little bit of time recently thinking about uh, one of the fields I've come across is transpersonal psychology and mm-hmm. kind of touches on what you've shared with me here is because it's, it's a bit of both. So you need that development from a cognitive perspective, which people can translate to therapy and, and like you said, discovering your traumas and healing those. And then there's the spiritual development. And often I find people will focus on one or the other and try to uh, avoid the other or not put a lot of uh, value on the other. And, and what I'm hearing from your story it also, and that's something I can also relate to is you need both. Yeah. As humans, we talk about the conditioning, we've talked about trauma. We're still, people say, yeah, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. But yeah, you still need to have space for that human experience. And that human experience sure. means adversity. It means trauma. It means heartbreak. And you have to face that too while also making time and and prioritizing your spiritual development. And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of the issues we're seeing in society today uh, because one or the other is missing. And that's why we have this disconnect. So what I'm trying to get at here in terms of now you've been able to uh, heal through both. How are you embodying that in in your life now yeah so one 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 of the challenges that i faced during this period was got to earn a livelihood and so i i found myself in content marketing i'd actually gone to school for film production but life took me to a different direction specifically vienna austria took me to a different direction because they don't have a very big film industry <laughs> i made a career shift and that took me to content marketing. And, and I started to see a lot of success there. And then I specialized into search engine optimization. And I started to see more success there. Clients were getting results. I was being compensated very well for the work that I was doing. But there was no inspiration in the work. I had no heart in it whatsoever. So that was another aspect of the struggle, right? I was doing work that did not have a lot of meaning for me, that did not have a lot of fulfillment for me. And so that's a, that was another source of struggle, right? Because after, I don't know how many years of doing that work, eventually I just felt like I can't, I just can't do this anymore. There's no, like inspiration literally means to be full of spirit, right? So when we're doing work that's not aligned, there's no spirit flowing through us while we're doing it. There's no energy flowing through us while we're doing it. And so I realized, I've got to make a change. Mm-hmm. And all these changes, they were happening par- parallel, right? The transformation that was happening as a result of my relationship with my wife and my daughter, right? And all this stuff that's happening with the work. And there'd always been this desire to help share a lot of the awakenings that I'd been having, but I myself hadn't fully integrated at that point. And so what became clear to me was that I needed to create, I needed to know where I was going. 
Yeah. Right. I needed to know what do I want my life to be about? Where do I want my life to go? If I'm going to be a participant here, right? What is the highest vision that I can create for myself? Not just five years from now, not just 10 years from now. What is the highest aim that I can shoot for in my life in all areas of my life? So that's spiritual, professional, my relationships, right? Every aspect of my life, the service that I want to give to the world. And so that's what I did. I got really clear. I took time, right? Even when things were not going well, and it seemed like there was no possibility of moving in another direction, I took the space to go deep into myself and ask, what is that highest? And then that vision started to come. I started to see this is the level of connection to God that I want to have, and not just to God, and to others. That connection to God through other people, right? So it's this interaction of that divine energy flowing through me and out into the world to that same divine energy inside of other people. In other words, once I start living from my soul, essentially there's this light and love that's reflecting from me all the time. And I want to live in a state where I see that light and love reflected in others all the time. And that's what provides everything. Living in that interaction, that's what opens me up to the possibilities of life. And that's what I want to experience with my wife. That's what I want to experience with my daughter. That's what I want to provide for others in this life. And mm -hmm. I want to help others to awaken and live in that state. And so there were a lot of other aspects of this vision. Once I got that level of clarity, once mm -hmm. I knew this is the mountaintop that I'm headed towards, that's when life really started to get a laser focus. That's when it really started to move me in that direction. Whereas before, I had just been scattered. And so once I started to get that clarity, then that's when I started to know if I'm going to help other people, then the, one of the most effective ways to do that is through what we call now coaching, right? right? But working directly with people to help them get to the same states that I'd gotten to. And then once the integration really started to happen with all these other aspects, then I was really able to start helping people. I started to see really remarkable results in their life when they started connecting to this when they started prioritizing their relationships and they started prioritizing love in their life over business. Mm. So yeah, that's basically where things took me, but it took me having that level of clarity to know where I wanted to go. Sorry, I'm just going to pause one sec. No problem. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the clarity. Uh, and I do want to come back to seeing that divine energy and in others, because I think that's something I, I put a lot of emphasis on myself. But before we go there, I do wanted to explore this other idea with you in terms of that inner voice and the intuition you touched on and, and we briefly talked about. I think one of the things I see, and I see it in myself, but I also see it in others, and it, it's not from a place of judgment, but I find because of this conditioning and being lost in this world and trying to pursue materialistic things and that could be whatever it is, we tend to create these veils inside of ourselves. And what mm -hmm. I've discovered through my own spiritual journey is unveiling it one at a time. And, mm -hmm. and the more you unveil, 
the stronger that voice gets and the more clarity you have. And I think that's where I've been able to find my most strength is by that unveiling process and discovering that inner voice. Cause it, it has, before I used to, I remember having it there, but I didn't listen to it all the time. Uh, I would ignore it. And, and then it, over time, it just got weaker and I, I lost touch with it. But now through that process, as I've mentioned, it's come back and it's so important. And sometimes I struggle to explain it because it, if you haven't really experienced it, it's hard to understand, I find at times. But that clarity is so powerful, right? And so many times you hear Rick Rubin talks about it in different ways. He calls it source. Uh, people have different names for it, but, but yeah, I think being able to get that to that point of clarity can create so many more opportunities for you, right? And to your point, you start looking at life differently, but you have this vision and that vision is not only for yourself, but it's for everyone, right? It could be family, could be friends but society at large, how would you explain getting to that point of clarity? How would I explain getting to that point of clarity? Mm -hmm. um, it is a process yeah. that it is a partnership with life. So it's different for every single person. But what I have found is like we were talking about earlier, first there has to be the awareness. Um, something's mm -hmm. off, not quite living in alignment with this, right? So then from there arises the desire. I am, I want to find something different. I want to look for something different. That's the, that, that's the beginning stages, right? Like it, essentially the way that I see it is, and the way that I've learned, the soul is the source of creative power inside of us. The source is, the soul is where, you know, the source, life, the universe, God, right? It is the source is the part of God that is contained inside of each of us. And that creative energy flows through the soul, that part inside of us. So the moment we start having this desire for something different, it's like there's a chink in the conditioning. Like now, basically, all of the mental habits that we've developed, right? Whatever pain, whatever trauma, it's all essentially covered the soul. It's basically covered in a shadow. Right. Mm -hmm. And now the moment there's this life is not quite right. I want something different, but I don't know what it is. There's the first puncture in all that armor that we've created that's surrounding the soul. And now the soul's energy can start to flow into our life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we start to be led essentially. And we start to find maybe books or ideas, right? Or teachers or therapists, right? And then that desire starts to grow stronger. We start to feel that intuitive voice a little more. What is that? I want to know more. I want to live from that place more. So it's all, it's this constant dance of intention, right? Of feeling into, we have to turn inward. We have to be aware of our inner world to be aware of this voice. And again, that has to do with, we have to put less attention on the external for a while, right? We have to focus a little less on what it is that we're trying to do and achieve and more on what is going on inside of us. And so then the soul can come up a little bit more mm -hmm. and lead us to the next step, the next teacher, right? 
the next bit of knowledge that's going to help us understand and integrate, right? Mm-hmm. And the more we want this to happen, the more the soul is able to come up and work mm-hmm. with our mind, right? Because that's actually where we're operating from initially. We're operating from our mind. That's why we feel so lost because the mind without connection to the soul is, I can't think of a good analogy, uh, but it, it makes us blind, basically. We're totally right. blind in this world because then we only operate on a mental level as opposed to on this level of oneness with everything, which is the mm-hmm. way that we're meant to be operating. So it gets stronger. The soul gets stronger. Right. The armor gets weaker. And each one of us is going to be taken on a very personal journey, right? Of mm-hmm. what needs to be healed inside of us, what needs to be awakened inside of us. And like you said, there are veils that are covering us, but how to uncover that is going to look a little bit different for each one of us. But ultimately, there has to be some kind of reconnection to the divine. Mm -hmm. There has to be some kind of reconnection and reaching out to God. However people want to think about God, whatever terms that they want to use, at some point there has to be a recognition of, oh, that is the source. That is everything. That is who I am. I'm a part of that right? Mm-hmm. Because then what can start to happen is at that point, voice start, the voice starts to get really a lot clearer. And we need to have the experience of listening to it. And we also need to have the experience of what happens when we don't listen to it. Because that's usually when our life goes in a direction that we don't want it to go in, right? All kinds of consequences happen. Painful experiences happen. And when we listen to that, really miraculous experiences can happen. Mm-hmm. But when we start to come to reconnect to God, then we can start to give up responsibility for our life, which we've taken on. So many of us have taken on responsibilities that we do not need to be taken on. Imagine a child in a family taking on the responsibility of providing for itself. It's a burden no child should have to carry. And that's exactly the burden that we've taken on in this world. We do not have to suffer in the way that we do. We do not have to live with the pressures that we do with the level of lack, right? That we do when we learn how to give everything back to the divine and to God, right? And we give our desires over. We give our intentions over. This is what I want in my life. This is what I would love. This is what I want to create, right? For myself and for others, not just in selfish ways, like I want a red car and I want a giant house, right? But I want to live a life of service. I want to live a life of connection. I want to live a life of awakening. I want to live a life of helping to uplift others. I do want my kids to go to a good school, right? I do want to live in an area that that feels right to me and resonates. All this kind of stuff. When we give that Mm -hmm. over to God, right? Mm -hmm. Then God's energy can work through our soul and work through the souls of others to provide everything that we need in this life. Right. And then we can just give up those burdens that we've carried and live in a state of miracles are possible all the time, every day, and in every interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think every, yeah, every interaction has meaning then, and you're not running on autopilot. And one of the things, as you were trying to explain, that, that when we are blind, basically, we're not connected to our soul. I like Plato's 
story of the cave, right? Where we're just staring at shadows and right. uh, until we turn our head, we realize that, okay, there's something else and, and move through that. And I guess the other piece there, which I wanted to come back to, as, as you touched on, is that divine energy and seeing that in others, right? And I think part of the problem or problems we're seeing right now is we've lost touch, right? We don't yeah. see that divine energy in others. And perhaps it's because we don't see it in ourselves. And once you yeah. see it in yourselves, you start seeing everyone that, hey, you know, there's a part of me in, in another person, right? Where yes. to, to your point earlier, there's that sense of oneness. And um, yeah, I, I struggle with that because I find it's hard trying to have conversation with people or discourse and and being able to see okay we don't have to agree on everything but at least as long as we can see that we share something in common perhaps that can bring us closer together it is something i've been struggling with uh, especially given some of the recent incidents yeah. that are happening across the world and it's been tough to navigate the other piece you touched on was once you start stepping into this sense of clarity things start happening right things yeah. start unfolding teachers will come into your life people will direct you or guide you and it's interesting right because there's i think in the postmodern world we've also lost sight of free will right and often people will look at the world as well everything's deterministic but I think there's a balance again. So we have free will. And then, yes, a lot of things perhaps have been determined, but you can still carve your way through this world and create a path for yourself. I don't know what your thoughts are around that and, and some of the things I just talked about, but I'm just feeling like I'm thinking out loud here. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, th no, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, there is for sure. I mean, we can just... If you're talking about free will, right? Like we, we have that 100%, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But there is also a state of living in alignment mm -hmm. that allows us to experience a state of happiness that most of us cannot imagine is possible when we live mm -hmm. our life the way that most of us do. And that is our natural state. The problem is that the moment we have free will, we start making decisions that push us out of alignment with that state. Right. And the problem is we go back to the conditioning. The decisions we start making are based on a lot of that conditioning that starts happening already when we're infants, right? If we're growing up in a family where the mother and father have not integrated their own trauma, and the world is traumatized. We live in a world where I would say 95% of people are carrying extreme transgenerational trauma. And we're not talking about like just living in wars. We're talking about a mother and father whose hearts are closed, right? Because their parents hit them as children, right? Mm -hmm. Because their parents berated them as children, right? And so they carry these pains and they carry these wounds. And so when they have children, they do not have the open heart for that love to flow to the child. If a child grows up in an unconditionally loving environment, they are going to grow up in that state of alignment. They're going to grow up in that state of oneness because they feel that love coming from the two most important sources in their life, 
And so it's, they're so nourished that love just flows through them, right? Mm -hmm. Their cup is overflowing already from childhood, but most of us don't have that. And so our hearts already start shutting down. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when we're already going through that level of experience where the, the hearts of our parents are closed, then our hearts start closing right away, yeah. right? Yeah, as yeah. infants, because as an infant, it is the most painful thing in the world not to live in a state of love. And the only way to survive is to start shutting down. Yep. And so we start to do that as babies. So the moment our mind starts to develop as toddlers, we're already in a state where our heart is closed to that source. And so now whatever decisions we start making as toddlers are from that place where we do not feel connected to our source and it just cascades from there. So that by the time we're adults, we are so off the mark, right? right. We are so off, off base, off of our foundation, right? that all of our decisions that we're making out of free will, most of them just push us further out of alignment. Right. And there's no connection to that inner voice, which itself is connected to that source. Right? Correct. Yeah. And so, like, then it's okay. Then our journey is how do we go back to that? Mm. Right. Yeah. How do we return to that state? How do we go back to that state that exists before all that pain? and before all that trauma, right? And part of it is the recognition that that state has never left us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's only been temporarily covered up. And even then, it's still fully alive in us. And it's fully alive in every single other person. And that's part of the problem that we fall into, even as spiritual seekers. Yes. Because once we start this journey of something is off and I want to look for it, the act of looking and the act of searching is denying the fact that it's already there. Right? And so many of us end up going on a decades-long search Right? Some people never stop that search, but many eventually come to the realization, oh, there. Yeah. It's there. It's yeah. been there the entire time. And when that level of realization is there, then there is the space to see, oh, it is there in every single other person. They don't know it, though, but I can see it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that teacher that I had in India, he was able to see that and he was able to operate from that place where right. he knew who he was and he was able to see that in others. And then it doesn't matter what people come at us with. If they're coming at us with love, then that love is flowing. If they come at us attacking us, then we can still see, I still see that in you and I are one. And then a response can arise, right? Like then we'll know how to respond to that person. Like, hey, no, you do not have the right to attack me. Like I'm going to take mm -hmm. the steps that I need to make sure that you don't harm me. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about necessarily being completely passive. Right. But if we find ourselves in conflict with somebody, like we might be able to see that light in a peaceful situation. But when somebody comes at us from a place of conflict, if we struggle, and we react to that conflict, it means somewhere there's still conflict inside of us. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. somewhere there's still a shadow that the moment something comes to attack us, then that shadow is still covering a little bit. And so anytime we struggle with staying connected to that light, either in ourselves or in others, it means there's something still that needs to be healed, processed, integrated, whatever it is. And then we can just say, okay, we can just ask, pray, set the intention, right? I'd like to uncover this, right? Mm -hmm. Usually it's going to happen in our relationships. (laughs) That is usually, right? Right. The place where we're going to find that the most is the struggles that we have with our spouses, our intimate relationships, with our children, and with our parents. These are the relationships that are constantly going to reflect to us. This is what you've still got to work on. This is what you've still got to open up to. This is something that's Mm -hmm. still stuck in you. But like I said, it's a partnership with life. Life itself is reflecting back to us through our relationships, what it is that we need to work on and integrate. And again, when we have clarity, when we develop a clear vision and we say, life, this is what I want, God, this is what I want to create, then that energy through us and through those around us will create the circumstances that we need to reach that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again for that. And and I, I agree. I think relationships are that mirror that show us that there's, and you can look at it as something to be frustrated or, or irritated by, but, or you can look at it as an opportunity to do further work, right? Because it's a never ending journey. I think it's something I remind myself and it's hard at times because I will get, feel guilty or get down on myself that, oh, I'm doing all this work. And I slipped up here, but then it's an opportunity to learn from it and try to do better. One of the other things I've come to realize also is because you go through life and you have your own moments of adversity and challenges. And sometimes, especially when I was younger, I had this sense of entitlement that, Hey God, why is this happening to me? Hmm. But now I've started to almost even look at myself. Yeah, there's a reflection there and it's, for me, it's a message from God saying, this is who you are meant to be. This is who are, you needed to go through this so you can be that person you are and continue to go through life and have those experiences to become who you are meant to be. And that's, I think that beautiful dance of free will, free will and determinism, right? And to your point earlier, I think once you align with that through the clarity and like you said earlier too, we, our hearts get closed off and it's that process of opening up that heart slowly and it's a journey. That's exactly right. It's all about our, one of the most important things is about opening the heart again, Mm -hmm. opening the heart to love. But opening the heart to love means opening the heart to everything, to all the shadow and to all the pain. The difference is that when we can open up to pain from a place of love, it does not hurt the same way. If we open up to pain and we're still in pain, it's unbearable. We can't Mm -hmm. stand it. That's why our heart is shutting to begin with, right? right? That's why we perceive so many things as threats, right? If our inner relationship, right? our spouse or our boyfriend or girlfriend is acting in a way that some part of us feels like this is a threat, right? Like I'm in pain already. I'm carrying all this pain. And 
what I'm seeing you doing is probably going to make it worse. So get back, right? And then we step into any one of the defense mechanisms that we have internalized and become habitualized, right? So if we're in pain and we open up to pain, it's a recipe for disaster. Right. But when we learn to open our heart to love, then not only can we open up to our own pain and that love basically integrates and processes, brings that pain back. Like integration literally means to bring back into oneness. Right? Yeah. To make whole again, right? And so when we open up from love, love is that oneness, right? Love is the, the expression of that oneness. It's how we feel that oneness. That's why when we love somebody, we feel all these good feelings. We're feeling mm -hmm. oneness with somebody else. When we're in that state of love or in that state of oneness, then that pain can be reintegrated. It can come back to the wholeness. And then we can start to do that with other people. Mm -hmm. Then we can start to see and feel the pain of others and recognize the wholeness and the oneness that exists inside of them. That being able to open up to the entirety of human experience, right? The good and the beautiful and the horrible. We cannot only open our hearts to the good. We cannot only open our hearts to what is beautiful because life and God and the divine is equally the creative energy inside of everything, right? Including the disasters including the tsunamis, right? The tornadoes, the earthquakes, right? That same creative energy is inside of all of that. And when we are able to open up to that, especially in other people, the destructive energy in other people, we're able to see through the illusion with clarity and we're able to see the light. We're able to feel it with love. We actually transform it. We become an active participant in the reintegration of that back into the wholeness. It may or may not change that person right then and there, but it turns that person into a source of love in the world mm -hmm. because we are connecting to that love through them. Yeah, yeah. And it's all energy, too. And energy, if it's not channeled properly, entropy can create chaos and i think yes it's finding that level of order and i to your point it is through that love that you can find that order and a way to channel that energy appropriately otherwise everything can be destructive as we see that's a, that is such a that is such a good way of putting it because it's yeah. with an open heart that energy can flow through us and create when the heart is closed and energy is trying to come through us, it gets stuck and then yeah. it gets pent up and then it gets explosive and then it explodes, right? In destructive behavior, right? In behavior that's trying to get what it wants, its selfish desires at the cost of other people's happiness, other people's well-being, right? And that's what we see in the world today. You can see anybody who's causing pain in anybody else, whether it's uh, a father who was abused and now is abusing his children, or whether it is somebody basically who doesn't value life, right? Like, because you, you could see this in Hamas and in Israel, right? 
It, yeah. When you have somebody in Hamas, Hamas who does not value life and takes the life of civilians, right? That's a person who's deeply in pain and is not in touch with that love inside of themselves. Mm -hmm. But then conversely, when you have somebody who then turns and says, in order to attack them back, we also cannot value life. We're not going to see that. That is a heart who is closed, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. is closed to the suffering that it is going to be creating. Right, right. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it resonates for people that also have their hearts closed, right? And, and then they see it. That's how they are able to uh, resonate with that approach. That's exactly right. Yes, because there, there's no other way. They don't see another way, right? Mm -hmm. Except through force, except through right. domination, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's an extreme case, what we're talking about here. Yeah, but yeah. We're seeing it play out. But we also right. see this play out in relationships, in friendships, right? Where if we're both not coming from a place where we're open to each other, we're attuned to each other, right? We're able to work together to find a solution that feels good for both of us, then one of us is going to be dominating intentionally or unintentionally on the other one to get what we want from the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a very similar dynamic that's happening there. And ultimately, the way through that is the prioritization of love. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking about some abstract notion right. of love, right? It is the very real love that flows through our hearts, right? It flows from God. It flows from the divine to us and then flows through us to others. And the problem that a lot of us have, and if we're not in war, if we're just like trying to live our lives and make a living, part of the problem that we have is that when we're not feeling that love, then we prioritize the external. In other mm -hmm. words, we prioritize. Men have this problem significantly. We yeah. prioritize. We've got to make money. Mm -hmm. We have to provide for our families. And then there's all kinds of other things that come into play. Status, achievement, right? Like I want to reach the highest level of approval from external sources that I can get. And the higher I go up the ladder, the more that approval is going to be solidified in the world around me. So we pursue all these things at the expense of our relationships because mm -hmm. we think that if we succeed in that outer world, if we provide, if we get to the level that we need to, then and only then will there be space for us to focus on our family, for us to focus on our relationships, for us to focus on our own happiness. Happiness will come then, right? Mm -hmm. At some point in the future. Right. But right. it's that seeking mentality of looking for something outside of us in that way that is constantly pushing it away. And Absolutely. what I have found is that when I turned that upside down and when I started to prioritize my relationships, when I started to prioritize the hearts of the people around me, that's when a level of success started to flow into my life that I could not have created on my own, mm -hmm. where opportunities and new levels of income started to come into my life, right? Where the intentions that I had started to manifest in ways that had not been possible before 
because I prioritized love, because I prioritized the hearts around me. And like, practically speaking, that just very often looked like giving my wife the space that she needed. When she would ask me, I'm not feeling so good. Can you take the kids to school this morning? It's a half hour drive for us where we live. So it's a big chunk of my day, right? right. And it's, okay, I can see that you need this. I can see that I'll be supporting you. I can see that you're asking this of me for a reason. So I'm going to help you, right? Yeah, not a very effective, productive day on that particular day where I'm doing things like this. But in the bigger picture, her heart is opening. Love is flowing into my life through her. And so that creative energy is coming in. And the bigger picture vision that I have is happening faster. Mm -hmm. Even if on the day-to-day, -day, I'm not as productive, I'm not as effective, I'm not able to work as long, I don't get as many things done, right? Bigger picture, the doors open wider for big steps to happen. And that's what started to happen in my life. Yeah, yeah, no, that's beautiful. And, and I think talking about war, that's basically the way I see it as a manifestation of the war we have with ourselves. And that's exactly what we've been talking about in terms of opening up the heart. And otherwise, to your point, we're seeking these external metrics that will never fulfill us because you can constantly keep moving the bar ahead. And for me, I've said this before, I think that spiritual journey is that one thing that you can't truly fulfill in this life because there's always more you can do. And that's why I think it's so powerful um, because you can constantly pursue that and continue to find meaning uh, through all the various things you do, not only for yourself, but the impact you make on others and family, friends, children, just even strangers. When you're able to see past all the external stuff and look into someone's heart and see that whether they're struggling or not and connect on that level, I think that's where you can make the deepest impact. And that is something you can aspire for every day. It's never enough in my mind. Yeah, that's absolutely right. When we learn how to do that's what I believe our purpose is. Exactly. When we are living in that connected way, that is our purpose. My understanding of the entire purpose of life, it's the same for every single person in the world. It's to become a vehicle for love, to expand the love of God in the world through our interactions with others. And that can be in the professional interactions. It can also be in an interaction with a stranger and every interaction that we have with our family, right? With our parents. And then the way that it expresses itself is going to be unique to every single person, right? Absolutely. And that is what we find. Like the way that love wants to express itself through us, right, is going to be different. And so, But that's the purpose. The purpose is the expression of love. And yeah. then our job is to learn how to listen to how that wants to express itself through us. Because then a lot of people are putting the emphasis of purpose on what am I doing, right? What am I supposed to do in this life? And a lot of emphasis gets placed on the way we're earning our livelihood, essentially, and the job that we have. And that when that's not in alignment, there's this, that what is my purpose? 
And so there's this thinking that I'm supposed to be doing something, right? But our purpose is not to do, our purpose is to be that love. Correct. And then when we are that love, that unique, authentic expression of that purpose will become clear to us. It will become evident and it'll spark in one person the intense burning desire to become a therapist or to launch a startup that's going to revolutionize healthcare. And in somebody else, it's going to be to become a coach and in somebody else to become a counselor and somebody else to become a doctor. But it's gotta, that fire has got to come from within. That inspiration has got to come from within. But if we chase that right. externality, if we chase what it's going to look like, if we chase that, then we're going to miss that the actual purpose, same for everybody, learn how to live in that love, learn how to mm -hmm. open our hearts to that love, and then, then let that power, that creative fire and that creative power flow through us into the world. That's what transforms the world. That's what changes the world when we become vehicles for that power, right? We open up to it through love, then that power can flow into the world and completely change the world. The more people we have living that way, we will be living in a completely different world. Absolutely, absolutely. And once you realize that there's so much abundance, then you're not trying to fight other people or you realize that, okay, and I think that's the aspect of love, right? It's abundant. And then you bring that abundance into your life and, and then you're not trying to like beat someone at something or compete with someone because you realize there's so much more that I can have enough for myself and everyone can do the same for themselves. So I think that's important, but David, thank you so much for this enlightening conversation. I appreciate everything you shared and including your own journey as it continues and it does for all of us. I, yeah. I do want to give you an opportunity to share with the listeners if, if they want to speak with you or find you online, what are some ways they can do that? The best place is my website, soulcenteredfounder.com. And there, anybody can book a free call with me where basically it's mostly, I'm focused on entrepreneurs and founders, but it's really open to anybody who feels like there's a lack of alignment in their life, right? And there's feeling that something's off. They're not quite living the life that they've envisioned for themselves. I'm open to talk to anybody who wants to reach out and have a conversation about that. Awesome. I will put the website in the show notes, but again, thank you so much for, for coming on here and, and having this conversation. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for checking out this episode with David. As always, please leave a five-star review or a comments in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And please check out the sponsors of the podcast. These are the best and easiest ways to support the podcast. Thank you again, and until next week.